This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'm going to say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have the guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screen writing. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriter's Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? 2020. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. A uh, little disclaimer, Lisa Bolakaja is out, um, but hopefully she'll be back in a week or two. Um, and uh, we'll jump in with y'all and, you know, of course, have have a blast with you as usual. Anyway, um, we got my man on, on, the, on, the, on the other end of this thing right now, Chris Derrick. What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? It's all good in the neighborhood chopping on wood. I know. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy <laughs> times. It's crazy times. We're in like a, uh, you know, I was talking with, with Joe Wilson the other day, and he's like, what's going on? I said, man... I don't even know. It's like this week is with the craziest week now because the last three weeks or so, mm-hmm. I was like productive as hell. But this mm-hmm. week, I just felt like I'm oscillating between like overly anxious and then just mm-hmm. completely despondent. You know, I'm just it was just so hard to work this week. But um, you know what? Well, mm-hmm. By the end of the week, I got some really really good news. Really good news on Friday. Um, so I'm just, uh, you know, which, which is, which is kind of keep me buoyant for the, you know, like the whole weekend. So, so, you know, so I'm good. I'm good. Nice. Nice. That's what's up. All right, cool. Well, so if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get on into the show. So today we got our big bro on the show, Anthony Sparks, everybody, writer, producer, series creator himself. I got to call you that cause you're the OG, um, <laughs> showrunner of, um, um, Queen Sugar, everybody. You guys are in the, coming into season four. That's crazy. Five. What's up, Anthony? Welcome to the show, buddy. It's, it's, it's season five, isn't it? Season five? 
Yeah, season five. Thank I'm sorry, you, man. I want to say season four. Sorry, fast. season five. I'm tripping. I'm you on that. I'm it. on that Rona stuff. You know how we, we can't think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're coming into season five. It's hard to believe, man. It's gone Damn. by so fast. Of course, we you know right. put in the work to get each season. So you know, happy and blessed. Right. <laughs> you can't beat that for sure. <laughs> So, um, Anthony, um, welcome to the show. Like we said, I know we've been talking to you for a couple of years about having you on, you know, and you pretending like you're busy, like you got a job or something, like you a showrunner, you know. You know, people be, <laughs> you know, everything. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry it took so long. It, I, you know, yeah, of course, yes, I've been busy. Thank God for that. But yeah, I don't know. You got kids, you got a family, long, I understand. But, you know, but here we are. We're here today. We're going to get into it. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. So let's jump on in. Um, <clears throat> one of the reasons I was telling you offline, <clears throat> excuse me, that I really wanted to have you on the show is, you know, we're living this, in this COVID, you know, 19 era and, you know, we are all learning a new thing. Um, like yeah. here we are doing the podcast, for example, you know, through Zencaster, you know, we can't even see each other right now. <clears throat> you know, I've done a couple other ones on Zoom and, you know, Skype yeah. and some other things for like the Writers Guild podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's weird. You know, we're just all learning this new thing. You know what I mean? I know. So I know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It is it is weird. It is weird. I'm I mean, I'm glad to I mean, it's you start to appreciate little things like Chris just used two big words and I was like, ooh, writers talking to writers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use big words. I didn't use you big did. words at all. There's three syllable words. I was gonna use a five syllable word. That might they have been a big word. They were multi-black. <laughs> I know that. And uh, I have three beautiful children and, and an, an amazing artistic wife. And we are right. all spending a lot of time together. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I miss being able to wrap my yeah, arms so, around so my So I want to have you on the show to talk to you. Yeah. Oh, and that's cute. But, but we wanted to have you on the show to talk to you about, you know, um, you know, one of the things that I'm getting a lot of questions about, you know, being, you know, the the one of the chairs of the of the black committee and a couple other committees at the Writers Guild is mm-hmm. like how in the world are shows, you know, a staffing on the shows how, once they're in a room, how are they managing that from Zoom? You know, yeah. what's it like for writers, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. So I mean, I can go on with another 10 or 20 more questions about that. <clears throat> yeah. But I was like, well, damn it, let's get Anthony on, we see he's out there right now, in it, in it now. Yeah. You know, I so am. We would love to I talk am. to you, you know, about how in the world yeah. we're sustaining this thing. You know how we're doing it. You know, it's 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 uh, it's brand new. You know, to me, uh, mm-hmm. and I benefit from the fact that my show had been up. You know, before that, I mean. <laughs> We've been shut down like everybody else, uh, obviously. Right. Um, but we were up and we had just started production, but our room had been going for several months. And mm. so a lot of that foundational work had been done in terms of what our season is going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, over 50% of our scripts were done. Uh, so for me, it was more about a continuation of a process. Um, and I have been on Queen Sugar, uh, since the first season 
have been showrunning the last two seasons um, and uh, and co-showrunning before that. Uh, So for me, it was a continuation of a process with a crack group of writers. And so we were able to get onto Zoom after a couple of days when it was clear that's what we had to do. And Mm -hmm. we were able to um, sort of the breaking that we had to do of say a last couple of episodes, we were able to stumble our way through using mm. virtual board, you know, and some software and stuff like that. But we benefited from being deep in our process and, okay. and, and, and my room having a, a fairly good idea of what it is. Um, that I'm going for, you know, what it is that Ava's going for, Ava DuVernay, um, and being able to to just sort of jump in sort of hard when we needed to. On the other hand, you know, it's things like remembering to take a break. It's things like yeah, understanding sure. <laughs> type energy, looking at a screen is different than us looking at each other. You know, so I find that after about 45 minutes to an hour, you got to walk away from that thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, It also, it cuts down um, on the ability to just sort of kind of hang and be with each other and feel each other's energy. So I have to say that I think that shows that are up and have figured out what type of show they are and, and what it is that they do. I think can, you know, make it work for a time shows that are starting and they're starting on zoom and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's the one quite I really know how that works. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like ew, I don't know about that. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> if you're an, a, an experienced showrunner, I, I see you making mm-hmm. it work on zoom, at least for a time. I don't know that it's the permanent way that people want to do things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you know, I, I'll tell you this: I could not imagine being a new showrunner, brand spanking new, one day into it and having and being mm-hmm. on Zoom. I I don't see how that works, me personally. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that that I keep that I keep thinking about as as you know as I see you know photos that you know either your <clears throat> your staff post you know with you guys you know on Zoom in the room. Or you know other shows that I see, um, I think it actually makes a lot more sense hearing it from you that you guys had already been moving along by the time you got to this point. But I, I think I think what, what I keep envisioning, you know, having been in rooms is is having that that camaraderie in the room, having that energy. Yes. Um, you yeah. know, um, and, and then, you know, you get to run the board, you know, like all that, like it's so many yeah. things that I, they probably wouldn't be missing because I think, did you say you have a virtual board now or something? What, what do you call it? Yeah, we were using this software that allowed us to all sort of be in mm-hmm. and, and, and type up, you know, beats and things like that and move them around. And okay. it's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's definitely helpful. It, I mean, I, I have to say, I couldn't imagine doing a Zoom room without that virtual board. I could, I couldn't imagine oh, like yeah, that. Sure. I just, I don't know how you, 
it's like you just have to. But, you know, because you spend a lot of time just sort of troubleshooting, like, oh, I can't get in there. Did you see the change that I made? I made a change. That's not what that card mm-hmm. says anymore. This is, you know, <laughs> while the software is catching up, you know, and so it, it becomes right. a little draining that way. But as mm-hmm. a Band-Aid or I could see Zoom rooms being a supplement to regular rooms, but I would not mm-hmm. want them to replace regular rooms you know i could see them you know making uh you know if a show say has a room in new york and there's a writer that they want that for whatever reasons life reasons professional reasons can't be in new york but they want that writer on the show Mm -hmm. i could see a situation like that working where that person zooms in three times a week you know um and things like to, to at least but the the heart of a show is what's happening in that writer's room. And if you can't really feel each other, read each other's little shady body language and all that other stuff, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when a pitch doesn't land well, and well, stuff well, like well, that, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, to me, like, that's the interesting point that you're making, Anthony, is that, like, how are people you know, are going to read each other because there's the one thing about when you're communicating about story and stuff like that with someone else is that the body language and how, and, and how someone reacts to what you pitch them for, for whatever it is, yeah. is, is so important to you. It's kind of the litmus test that you need. And right. I mean, and, and yes, you're looking at someone's face through the zoom thing. Right. There's, there's still the rest of the body you don't see. Like, like if someone leans in or someone like, like, like their hands crinkle yeah. up or something, like, you're not going to see that, you know? So, yeah, you know, you can't feel how something lands. Cause you know, sometimes you have, you know, what I call those uh, writing is magic moments is like, you know, I'm sort of mm-hmm. yelling out in the room, like writing is magic. That's it. You know, kind of thing. And <laughs> you, you can't really have that in the zoom room. Cause like there's certain things that like, you know, somebody can pitch something that completely galvanizes the room. Like you don't even need to discuss it. Everybody knows, boom, that's the thing, right. That you need for a particular moment. Or to pull an episode, to make an episode coalesce um, into you know the way that you want, um, and that's harder to to do. On the other hand, the positives of the Zoom is that I don't think anybody really wants to stare into a computer screen, you know, for ten hours a day, and so right, right. it tends to make you much more kind of get down to business. That's good if you have a room that needs that kind of discipline at times. But again, as you were saying, Hilliard, earlier, you miss out on the important things that seem intangible but can be very, very important to a room. You know, there are times where you might walk into a room and you'd be like, okay, we left off yesterday at Act Three on Episode Eight. I thought about it overnight that beat at the end of the act doesn't work. Let's move that. Da, 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 da. There are times, yes, where you walk in and you just jump into it like that. But most of the time, sure. you want to warm up and start, you know, and kind of, you know, it's, you know, you want to coffee up, so to speak, as some of us say, you know, <laughs> right. and, um, and uh, you know, and also treat your, your staff like they're people, like they had a life when they left, you know, the, the previous day and mm-hmm. check in with people and I think that's very important to just sort of the humane mm-hmm. part of writers' rooms. And um, 
And right. if we're supposed to be telling human stories, you know, I think it's very important as a showrunner to acknowledge that your writers are not just these, you know, machines pushing out beats. They are mm-hmm. people. And you, especially on a show like Queen Sugar, which, you know, I always tell writers when I'm meeting them and staffing the show, I always tell them, hey, there's no gimmick to this show. Like, mm-hmm. this show runs, like, you don't want to know what the franchise of the show is? The franchise of the show is human experiences, heart, and emotion. That's the franchise of the show. Yeah, I was about to say emotion, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> right? So, yeah. which means that there's nowhere to hide on a show mm-hmm. like Queen Sugar. So I need writers who are going to come in and pretty quickly get very comfortable with being vulnerable, you know, and, and that means that there's a certain amount of, you know, I have to create, we have to create a space that's comfortable for that. And that's hard to do on zoom. You know, if we're pushing out beats for, you know, um, you know, no disrespect or anything like that, but if we're pushing out beats for, yeah, you know, for, you know, the 10th season of CSI, it might feel different. You know, I don't know, but I'm just guessing. But for a show that mm-hmm. runs on heart, um, you know, I need to feel people's hearts, <laughs> you know. No, so, no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because you are, like you said, the space to be vulnerable. I mean, these, these shows that deal with a lot of the A story is – some sort of plot of the week or, you know, or it's the main plot of the season. That's like, you know, that's the, that, that everyone's advertising on. Oh shit. Um, hold on. you know, like, um, you know, like that becomes an issue where, I mean, look, you know, there's certain rooms you hear about where they come in, they talk story and then they send everyone away, you know, to, to write yeah. their episodes. And, and, yeah. and, and, and your show from what I've seen on it, that probably doesn't happen. Like, like I'm sure that that it's not like, hey, so you do episode five, you do episode ten, and I'll do episode, you know, like, you know, like two and three, and then we'll come back and read them. I mean, like, like that can't work on your show, and, and that's why, yeah, you know, yeah. I think with your show, that's why what you're saying about you know people can't hide. I mean, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing about the 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 story dynamics that are that's going on with that family, that right? It, you know, that there's something that, you know, that I can put up here to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to eat up screen time. There's no murder, you know, there's yeah. no rapist or after, right. like, you know, there's no bomb. We got to dissolve all that stuff. And yeah. I mean, you, know, you know, I feel like people like in the room, they definitely need to be able, I mean, I, I, I think what you're saying has a lot to do with just the, 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 the that the staff is comfortable with each other. They already have to be comfortable right, with each right. other. I think I've chosen people like that. I mean, it's just like the other night I have, you know, the last two weeks, the three weeks I've had zooms with like with my writers group, you know, when it's easy for us to come in and, you know, and, and be foolish for like 10 minutes and then jump into the piece because we, you know, I mean, like there's no trying to figure out like the, the dynamics of how it's going to be carried out. And I feel that, you know, th- you know, like that's, I, it's something I've always I've always wondered about, you know, is it possible to have people 
who are from, like you said, like in New York or, or maybe, or maybe even in Paris or something like that, or in, or in England to work on your staff and not be here, not be here in Los Angeles or, or New York. I'm just curious to know if you think that, you know, with what's going on, I mean, there, there, there could be rooms that are successful, like with the Zoom thing, you know, and do you think that might be something that we might see more of so that people don't have to live in LA to actually, you know, to do their jobs? Um, I'm going to say yes and yes, but with a, a huge asterisk mark next to mm-hmm. one of those yeses. I do think that on the other side of this pandemic, there is a world in which we all are like, do we all have to come in on Friday? You know, we're all writing on Friday. We need to do two hours in the room. Let's zoom it. Like, I can see that. You know what I mean? Mm. At a regular right. right port feature for say rooms in los angeles on a show like queen sugar which you as astutely point out is not a show where we can i mean i guess we could at this point you know as part of a you know we got to get something done you know and we're on the clock for whatever reason in terms of up against the deadline go you write episode four you write episode five you write episode six but that's not really how our show works and, and and I would and I would say that most serialized you know dramas, um, you know that are dealing with emotional beats and stuff like that. I don't think you could really do that for a like say as your modus operandi. So right. we do need to be in a room. Um, are there shows where I think you know having a quote unquote national room is a possibility? And we have gotten more comfortable with the idea of that as a result of this tribulation that we're going through. Yeah, I absolutely. There are probably some shows mm-hmm. where that could work. I, however, the big asterisk that I have to say is I think that works for people like you, Chris, you, Hilliard, me, people who have been doing this. Like if you're somebody mm. who is thinking about a television writing career and you live in Iowa, and you don't have a first credit or anything like that, I don't know that that's really realistic that you're going to be hired and you go, well, I'm just staying in Iowa. Why should I have to be in LA (laughs) or New York? It's like, I don't think that's realistic that someone's going to hire you unless somehow you are the creator of the show. Um, you know, know, everything I say and how, you know, there's a rule in Hollywood. And then of course there are always, you know, 10 exceptions to the rule, you know, but I always say to people, do you want to have a career or do you want to, you know, roll the dice on being the exception to how careers are Mm. built? You know, do you want to get lucky or do you want to have a career? If you want to have a career, you're going to have to go where careers are made and built and, um, that tends to be Los Angeles for television to some extent, more, more certainly than when I first started New York as well, but even still to a lesser extent, that's where it happens, you know? And I mm-hmm. think that people who somehow luck up from other, um, metropolitan centers and end up on a show without having, uh, spent some time. Uh, in the trenches, so to speak, in Los Angeles or New York, um, even if they're talented and they have a voice and they're a beautiful writer, um, 
I think they're at a disadvantage ultimately in the long run, unless they become very um, open to learning the nuances of what it is to exist and build a career as a television writer. And I don't think you can really pick those nuances up unless you are in LA or uh, to some lesser extent, New York. Um, And so, you know, again, you know, and and what I mean by that is I'm going off on a little bit of a rant, but you know, that's what we do. Right. (laughs) Is, is I've met people who somehow lucked up and they were living in Kansas and they got on a show. They, whatever their talent level is, which is generally going to be great if they were able to somehow get Mm -hmm. a show from living in Kansas, Kansas, people in a, who come to LA to and pursue TV writing until they get that big break, either as a writer or even a writer's assistant or, you know, there's a whole community here of people who not only do this, but then there's a community of people who are trying to do this. And those people are going to yeah. panels. And people are, are, ta- are have formed writers groups. And those people have, you know, gotten jobs as PAs or, you know, script coordinators or those people. They're, they're around this community. There's a fabric to the community of people who are doing it and a fabric to the community of people who are trying to do it. And therefore, when the people who are trying to do it right. get their first break, and let's say they're a staff writer on a show, even though I very much believe this is sort of a master apprentice business um, or trade or craft or art form, mm-hmm. and that there are certain things that you cannot learn until you are sitting in that room, whether it's about craft, whether it's about the social aspects of being a television writer, the, like people are going to, like you're going to make mistakes, but what you don't want them to be are fatal mistakes and the people who tend to not make Mm -hmm. those fatal mistakes when they get their break are people who, when they get that break, they're ready for it because they've been going to panels. They've been in writers groups. They've applied to, or they've done some fellowship programs some industry fellowship programs around town. They've done writers boot camp. They've joined, you know, they've tagged along with somebody to, you know, uh, a CBW event at the Writers Guild. They've they've gone mm-hmm. to Haley Fest. They've done. You know what I mean? They've 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 heard. They understand right, right. how big a break that moment is, and so they're less likely to make a fatal mistake versus just a learning on the job mistake. I have seen people sure. pluck well, from Kansas. Well, that's it. Well, okay, I, I should say about that. Like one you know, years ago, you know, other shows right. I worked on. And they don't really have a grasp of some of the, what I would consider basic nuances of being in a writer's room, like don't get into a 30 minute argument with the showrunner about something. (laughs) 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 And I've seen people do it. And I'm like, you just got off the plane from Kansas. What are you doing? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. No, 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 that's exactly right. I mean, like, here's the thing. I mean, like, I mean, like, to your point, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's how you and I met. I met you at a panel one time. 
And, yeah. you know, and, and it was, it was after the panel and it was, it was and there was in a bunch of people were, were talking to all the other people. And I think, I think, I think that you were the, um, the moderator mm-hmm. and I went up and talked to you cause I was like, okay, I, there's the, cause I remember seeing your name on some stuff and I, and I just want to talk to you. And it's like, that's the thing that you don't get. you you know, like you're right about that, about, I mean, there's, and there's, there's way to meet people who can become kind of your ally or your, not necessarily your mentor, but people you can talk to to get advice about what to do, what not to do, that yeah. I think is the huge mistake about not being here because the one thing that we all know, uh, the, the the longer we're here, is is how small the town is. Like people know a lot of things about what you do because yeah. you're here. And, you know, and just because you sure. might not be on a show or if you've been to yeah. a panel or someone happened to read your script and go, "Hey, there's a guy whose script that I read. He's amazing. He's not working yet, but or or, or he's between shows. Wherever it is, there's there's that kind of is that ecosystem you talk about that is definitely not." Um, that you can't participate in, and and to me, I and feel like it's the one thing about is an this education business that's happening. That and the, the education, yeah, I'm sorry, just the, the level of, of of osmosis is if you're around mm-hmm. stuff. I remember when I first went to Paley Fest one time, like several years ago. Like there's this whole kind of like the vibe about that, and those creators are there, and it's like it's just a different thing that that gives you a different take of what the industry is that the that the the press mm-hmm. isn't showing you you know if you don't live here that you need to know and be aware of right right and because what you want is whatever that first hey, thing is. yeah are you having trouble hearing me hello no I was just gonna I, I didn't mean to, to, to interrupt you. Go ahead, finish your thought, and then no, I'll, I'll jump back in. Go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, um, I, just to change it just for a little bit, can we just go back a little bit and tell everybody, you know, like how you got into the game in the first place and how you became a, um, a writer from, you know, being on the stage to, you know, being behind yeah, the Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I'm, I'm from Chicago, born and raised, so I did not grow up knowing about any of this um what i did know was and mm-hmm. got involved and and uh and it opened a lot of doors for me was theater so i'm a you know a right. theater kid made good um uh it, me in too. my heart <laughs> Understood. yeah you know? and so i began as an actor i had always written and and it's funny when i think back mm-hmm. even as far back as high school competitions and stuff that i would enter and stuff like that. I had started writing then and I'd started sort of getting some awards here and there for both my acting mm-hmm. and my writing, you know, like specifically like the NAACP has this program called the ACTSO program, A-C-T-S-O, which is still a huge, huge, I think is even huger now than when I did it. And like I would do ACTSO mm-hmm. and I would win second place in acting and first place in writing. And so in retrospect, oh, wow. like, like, like God was trying to tell me then, yo, bruh, hey, <laughs> go this way, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, I didn't know any professional writers. I didn't, you know, like I said, I was from, you know, a kid from the South side of Chicago, but acting opened a lot of doors for me, college wise and stuff like that. And I ended up being, um, you know, embraced and in some cases recruited to quite a few top college drama programs 
NYU, Carnegie Mellon, Northwestern, places like that. Ultimately, I chose uh, to come here to Los Angeles, to USC and um, their theater school. So a lot of people, when they hear I went to USC, they assume that I went to the film school. Actually, I did not. I went to the theater school. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which was, at that time, under the, or the School of Dramatic Arts, as it's called now, which at that time was under the film school, but was its own separate thing. So that's mm-hmm. how I started as an actor. And and at the time, the training in the conservatory-like program was incredibly text-based. So I was being exposed to mm-hmm. all kinds of like really great dramatic literature for the stage. And that eventually slid into me, um, you know, you know, reading, you know, film scripts. I used to hang around the film school a lot. And I remember this is back, you know, in the early nineties, we still had regular billboards and I would hang around the film school. And I remember seeing things like the Warner brothers television writers workshop. And I remember even as an actor who was doing fairly well in school and had a career on stage after school, I remember while I was still in school, remember thinking that I might not only act for the rest of my life and that I had an interest in Mm. writing because I was already picking up even in school that the entertainment world and the world at large was saying that we don't know if we have a place for you, black boy, Mm. the type of black boy that you are the type of black man that you think you might want to be. I wasn't mm-hmm. seeing a lot of that being reflected back at me. And so that was already a seed in my head before I even got out of college. But I, but I didn't know there was such a thing as a television writer until I came to college at USC. Okay. Now, because mm-hmm. I think TV writers and showrunners have entered the sort of pop culture lexicon in a much more major way than they were in the 90s, it was very much veiled and behind the scenes. People in the industry obviously knew what it was. But, you know, um, you got folks walking around on the street now going, I want to be a showrunner, you know, and they'd be living in Minnesota. Right. They, you know, I had never heard <laughs> <Exactly. of it. laughs> You know, and I have a lot yeah. to say about that too, if you remind me, because that. Okay, we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, what that's about. But anyway, um, so long story short, graduated from USC, moved to New York, started my stage career, was blessed and fortunate. Oh, that was after. After. I'm thinking you did that before. I did what before? I I thought you were like doing like Stomp and, you know, Broadway, Off-Broadway and touring and all that. I thought that was before you moved here. So that was after you moved here. No, 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 no. So, 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 uh, let me let me just clear up the 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 map. I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood that. Chicago, college in L.A., and then I left mm-hmm. L.A. as soon as I got out of college and drove got to it. New York. And so mm-hmm. I had, I was like, I had to go to New York. So I, so basically, I went from Chicago to L.A. to New York, and then back to L.A. to become a writer. And in New York was where mm-hmm. I had my stage career, my acting career, where I was in stop where I was in, you know, doing other theater, like the Old Globe Theater in San Diego and, and Williamstown Theater in Massachusetts and Crossroads Theater in New Jersey and all that other stuff. So yeah. that, and so- and you, and you, were, you were, you mm-hmm. were one of the original cast members in Stomp? 
I was one of the uh, first uh, American cast members because uh, Stomp is right, actually right. British. It's British, right? Actually, right. yeah. And so I was part of the first two waves of people that they hired um, in Stomp. And this was like, and so it was great. I mean, I was 22 and with, you know, this young, you know, guy who weighed 130 pounds mm-hmm. walked around and I was, I worked as an actor for three years straight when I got out of school. You know, I had some ups and downs. Wow. Um, within that time, as any actor does, but for the most part, I worked for three years straight. I literally only stopped working when I got out of school when I got hurt from doing from stomping too much, basically. <laughs> and my knee went out, and it was like, hey. <laughs> you know. And around the time my knee went out, I was around the time I started taking my writing much more seriously because um, I was still auditioning for other things in New York. And that was when I was running into a lot of, um, you know, again, this is now in the mid nineties. I was running into a lot of like, you're from where you're from South side of Chicago. You don't seem like you're from the South side of Chicago. You, you know, you don't <laughs> walk, walk like people from the South side of Chicago. You don't walk like people from like, right. like what are you? You know, I would literally have casting. <laughs> you're incredibly talented. I have no idea what to do with you. I would literally have casting directors say to me, you don't exist in the hmm. wider TV film world. Wow. And what do you mean I don't exist? What the fuck you mean? Excuse wow. me. <laughs> I don't exist. You're not black enough. <laughs> no, go ahead and curse, man. Go ahead and curse because it's the right, thing. Right, right? Look, it's it happens. Right. Um, if you don't show yeah. this type of, like, this 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 i don't want to say stereotype but because it's not a stereotype but it's kind of like there's a um uh there's an archetype that has been that has been uh burned in the brains of too many people about what it means to be a young yeah. black man and you know i mean and, and and that's the one thing that i noticed when i first like saw you speak you know it uh is that there was this you know like deeper level of of, of understanding of the world, but just by the, the questions you were asking that panel, you know, and, you know, just kind of thoughtful responses, you know, and there's just, and the, I just, there's a way that a lot of times when like, at least not necessarily in person, but even you, I'm not saying you don't do this, but it's like, but there's a, there's a, there's a thoughtful pause you give that lets you know that if you're watching you, that you're definitely like deciding on the most effective way to ask a question or something right. like that. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that if I was someone who was white, I'd be like, I don't know what to do with Anthony. He's cool and all, but right. you know what? There, there's like, you know, I mean, like, like what's yeah. the TV for him? You know, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, one of the things I've had to accept as I've, you know, gotten older and lived my life and had my career and continue to have it is, you know, I ain't for everybody, and that and and that was hard for me to say <laughs> because because even though I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I get along well with people for the most part and stuff like that. But I'm not a guy who fell into anything. You know, you re- you meet people mm. who sort of came up in L.A. and like, oh, I fell into being a right. casting director. I was just temping. Right. And the, the, I didn't yeah. fall into shit. 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What I've done (laughs) and to do has always been the result of an intentional choice. And I, maybe it's different for some other people, but my black ass, I, (laughs) you know, have had to make a choice to go after something. Now, obviously, when I say I haven't fallen into it, that doesn't mean that every opportunity that I've had has been, you know, I planned and mapped out in advance. What I mean is my entry into writing was a very intentional choice at a certain point. Um. Right. I, and, and, and that's just my path. I'm not saying that other paths are, are lesser than or anything like that. But after you've been told for years that you don't exist, you start to feel some kind of way about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't from a place of bitterness because I was working. I made my living as an actor for 10 years, you know, you know, um, straight, you know, very, very fortunate to do that. Very, very blessed to do that. Um, But I was still feeling frustration and limitations about being told that there was something um, not normal about me, about anybody like me. And I was like, but wait a minute. And I say this all the time. I like to think that I'm special. We all do. Those of us who are creative, we all like to think that we're special. But I can't allow you to say that I'm so special that I'm like the exceptional Negro that you've never seen before because I went to school with like a bunch of folks just like me. So what are you talking about? Mm. You've never seen me Mm -hmm. before. So I was like, there's a, I started doing exactly what you said, Chris. I started. At first, I was personalizing it, and it was a very painful thing. Like, what am I doing wrong? It's me. Da, 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 da. Then, um, over time, I started reading and start, and I I had a really fantastic community of artists in New York that I was a part of, and I started realizing other people have this story. This is not just me. There's something systemic going on here. There's something larger than me. There's something in this room with me when I walk in that's here before I got here. It's there while I'm in the room and it stays there when I leave the room that is impacting my life. And what I basically came to the conclusion was I am entering this process, this creative process, this image making process too late as an actor. It's already mm. formed and, <laughs> and I either fit this pre-formation before I come into the room and while I'm in the room, either I can bend and twist myself into basically somebody else's perception of what it is to exist in this body. And it's usually a person who doesn't exist in this body who's deciding how black I am or am not. <laughs> Okay, which is crazy. That's the worst. That's the worst. That's That's just the worst. That's insanity, right? And I said, so I have to then therefore twist myself into the some usually white person's perception of just how black I am or am not in order to get a job where I'm probably sticking up some person, you know. And I'm just like, like my mama, like my, it's like, it's a mind, it's a mind, 
it screws it's it's, it's a mindfuck of 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 huge proportions if you really dig into it and really stop right. and think about it it's like the person who well if they I mean, saw look, me on the street i mean i would I, cross right i just want to finish this point the person who would if they saw me on the street before the audition might cross the street mm-hmm. okay <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> blackness is now yep. somehow magically transformed into the arbiter of representation and blackness in this audition room. <laughs> okay. And now I ain't black enough. Wait a minute. Which is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just scared of you. I was just scared. It was a knife coming in your, you know, the knife in your hand. And now I know, well, there's no knife unless it's a rubber knife because you know it's just like right. a bunch of shit. So, bunch I, of shit. so I say all the why did I go off on this whole thing about my performance career because I, I truly believe you know those two things are linked. So all along the time, all along the way, I had been writing, and my experiences started in various ways to find itself into my writing, and I just decided I felt frankly like led almost called frankly if i can be honest with you to be like i'm supposed to do something about this and the only way i know that i can do something about this is to write not just me but anybody who um is from my community or community adjacent to it i'm supposed to write myself into the picture not for me in a egocentric way to necessarily play the part, but just to expand the vocabulary, representation, and stories that, like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And now this is the late 90s now, and that wasn't too popular to say mm-hmm. then, okay? You get kudos no. now. No, no. Being, you know, you get kudos now for being, you know, out there with who you are right. and thank God, you know, because that has helped lengthen <laughs> my career. But when I started, right. I had to keep all that under my hat and just be a guy who could tell some jokes and, and write some good dialogue, <laughs> you know, and yeah. take whatever job I can <laughs> so that I could get the experience so that I could then go out into the world and say, okay, I'm interested in telling this type of story either as a showrunner or a creator. And you know, now again, now that has some capital attached to it. It has some relevance attached right. to it. But when I was first starting at the turn of the century, um, that you know, it, it was a different landscape. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, look, I totally agree with you. It was a, it was, a, it was a big frustration point for me and my brother as writers is that the type of material that we wanted to write and we wanted to create. Mm-hmm. At that time, you know, the turn of century time, no one like, and and this is black people and white people did not believe yeah. that there was any validity in it because they were because because black people were like, well, uh, you know what, our audience is not going to believe that, and then mm-hmm. I mean, I I, th- I think that black people knew of it, but like, no, there's not enough people who are black who are watching the who who, who would come to see stuff like this, and and white people would not believe this stuff happened. Like, you know, that's, or, or, or they kept, you know, or they would say, well, to make that happen, you have to get one actor, you know, yeah. like, you know, and it's like, no, you don't, you could like start up, 
you know, I think you can make someone's career by doing this with something. But, you know, who wants to gamble? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think people, they like to get, they, they like to claim they want to gamble and tell, and tell these yeah. risky stories and things like that. But that's like, sadly, not the truth, you know, unless you've built up enough capital, you know, to, you know, to be able to break the bank at Monte Carlo and be like, yeah, 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 I'm cool with that. But that's not, that's not easy to do. Right. Right, 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 right. And, you know, and and the thing is, is what the landscape at that time, which is was different from what it is now, did for me was, first of all, who I was. And because I came into television from theater and from having um, experiences and things that I just wanted to say – one thing that I always had a grasp on, um, probably first even beyond my technical skill set, was I had a grasp on my voice, and right. I, you know, I, I, you know, I think I can say that you know pretty clearly. I always had a grasp on I'm here to do something and say something, and mm-hmm. uh, and if I think I can find a way to do it, and you know, by you know the the sort of stories I pitch or things like that. I was very clear that I was there to serve, you know, you know, the vision of the showrunner and things like that. But um, I always knew that I had a voice and right. sometimes people struggle to find that. That was not my struggle. If there was a struggle at all, it was, you know, just learning you know, the craft of tell, you know, the craft of television and, and, and how to meet the expectations and get inside the head of, you know, the person who hired you, generally speaking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and my career as an actor, uh, frankly, helped me with that to a point, you know, and then I did have to reach a point finally in my career where I had to go. Um, I'm not, like I said earlier, Maybe I'm not for everybody. Like, you know, sometimes you have to get into your purpose and like, what is your, like, why do I have a career? There are tons of talented people out there. You know, I believe I'm talented. I also know lots Mm -hmm. of other talented people, some who get opportunities, many who don't, despite their talent, who, despite the fact that perhaps they've done the right things, you know, quote unquote, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So, I've been blessed with a career. What am I supposed to do with it? I've been blessed with a voice. What am I supposed yeah. to do with it? And I don't think that journey is over for me. But one of the things that I came to a conclusion about is I'm supposed to be sort of unapologetic about who I am, what my experiences are, um, uh, my love of image making, my love of being in a conversation with black folks, you know. Um, I'm not limited mm-hmm. to uh, one type of storytelling or one type of thing that, right. you know, I want to say, you know, I've done shows like The Blacklist and I've done, you know, procedurals and I will, you know, and I, I've done shows that, you know, quietly a lot of people in the industry sort of look at, look at as, you know, money making sort of ventures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, there's a place for that. There's a great career for that. Um, I think I will do more of that. But I don't 
think that's all I'm supposed to do. And so connecting with a show like Queen Sugar, uh, you know, with a, another, you know, a, with a creative powerhouse like David Duvernay has been very freeing for me uh, because it taps into the original reason that I wanted to do this in the first place. Yeah, that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Having come from, you and I were probably acting around the same time because <clears throat> I stopped acting probably in about 2001, something like that. Yeah. And um, so like I still have my, you know, my SAG, my equity, you know, all my cards mm-hmm. still, and I have no intention on acting. And it's yeah. funny, yesterday, my husband <clears throat> um, was going through my stuff and he was like, oh, you know, um, you're your SAG after thing is due. Do you want me to pay for it? And I was like, and I paused and I went, shit. I mean, if I ever, for some strange reason, decide to play yeah. a role in something, I'd yeah. hate to have to pay for all that shit again. So I'm like, you know what? Just yeah, Let's just go ahead and do it. So it's a weird, I keep it and I'm not sure why. It's just a weird, yeah. and the residuals are so small now, as you know, you know, years right. later. I mean, they're, you know, I probably make $200 a year. You right. know, residual is like nothing, <laughs> you know, and so I keep it for the sake of an argument, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you well, ever you always see yourself? I couldn't tell if you were going there. Or not. Too, if you don't. Mm-hmm. What's oh, that? you mean like? Oh, the, do the I ever? Thing. Yeah, do I, see, I know. The, yeah, you could put you could put that stuff on pause and still maintain your membership if you don't want to keep shelling out that active money. You could suspend and, and versus you know that's just you know. Mm-hmm. But what was your question? Do I ever what? Yeah, I just keep it going for some reason. I'm not. I have no idea why. I've paid for it all these years on time, you know. And I think it's. I think it also has to do with, um, <clears throat> you know. I I became you know in SAG. I think I was probably 16, 17 years old, and um, um, it's it was such a big deal that yeah. it's like so hard for me to let go of too. Well, yeah, that, but yeah. I mean, look, like that's what I was going to say to you. I think it's the fact yeah. that you earned this. You earned right. this thing that a lot of, I mean, a lot of people want, you know, that, that union membership, DGA, WGA, SAG, they want it and they can't get it. And so many people, I mean, I mean, I met people who are really talented, you know, for all of it, for, for all these guild things who can't find the way to muster the one project that gets them into, you know, like, like the guild they, that they're striving to get into. And at a certain yeah. point, you know, at a certain point, like the, your career is going to stall if you can't get to there. And it's just, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of mental energy that you put into it that is probably subconscious. And, you know, that's probably why, that's probably why that you, cause I remember you told me the story about, you know, uh, getting your SAG card. There was a, there was some guy you met, and he told you you're not SAG yet. You right. and you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get there in a few years, something like that. He's like, no, I'll get there in six months. You know, yeah, and, was, and you know who that was, uh, Anthony. That was Rand Brown. Really? What did he say? Yeah, Rand. I was, I was, um, um, they, he came to San Francisco to guest star on a TV show, like. I probably was like, I don't know, 17, 16, 17 years old. <clears throat> and, um, and we were, we were, we were on the set hanging out and I was, I was the, I was the, um, the, um, not the understudy, what do they call it? The stand in for one of the other actors and me and him clicked Yeah, and we would just hang out every day. Yeah. 
And um, and we were talking. He's like, man, when you can get your SAG card? And I was like, oh, you know, maybe a year or two. And he's like, no, nah, dude, you got to say six months. You got to push yourself like that. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And 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 I did because of him. He would call me all the time and check and see what I was doing. You know what I mean? And and I think I got it in three. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so and so he's a he's a huge, huge, you know, part of, of why I, you know, did what I did. And so I have that same thing now with with younger writers or actors or anybody. I'm like, you gotta you gotta push yourself. It it forces you, you know, to to jump higher than you ever would have, you know. Or to try things to say yes Absolutely. to things that you wouldn't. Before. Absolutely, you know what I mean. Absolutely, I mean absolutely. You have to push it. You know, especially you know, writers. We respond to deadlines. You know, mm-hmm. whether they are external right. or self-imposed, that's real, and you have to do that. And you know, if you push yourself to get there in six months, but it takes nine months, it's still sooner than the year that you were initially saying. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important. I think I I will, I am stunned at the number of new writers um, or, or, or not so new writers in town who do not use what I guess we call now fellowship season as a structuring mechanism Mm -hmm. for their writing. Like, right. There are these open doors, you know, theoretically every year that if you are working your money job and still working to get your first break, or in my case, your second break, I actually did the Disney program after I had been staffed the first time, actually, because that's how tough the environment was Mm -hmm. at that time where I had been a staff writer, had done well, had right. r- written two scripts, and but was sort of underrepresented at the time and could mm-hmm. not find that second job and had to quickly humble myself, mm. quote-unquote, quote-unquote, apply to programs. And that's when I actually got into Disney, and that was like one of the best decisions I ever made. You know, but my point is, is that I meet a lot of writers or assistants who will stop like their output slows down, you know, and I know that those things are really difficult because um, you can apply a few times and it's just it gets discouraging on a certain level, you know. And the fact of the matter is, is that most people don't get their break that mm-hmm. way. Most people get their break by just keeping writing and making connections and they get their break. But I am still surprised at the number of writers who are still looking for that first major break who are not using the deadlines for these fellowships to make sure that they're doing what they mm-hmm. are supposed to do as writers, which is write and get their material out there, you know. Um, right. you know, I have to sort of constantly remind people to do that. And, uh, you know, and so if anybody's listening to this now, you know, that's my way of reminding you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And I talk about this, Chris and I do on the podcast a lot <clears throat> about things we would do now. Um, are you there, Anthony? You're Hilliard, you dropped you out. Going in and out a little bit. Yeah, you you dropped out. I didn't hear okay, you. Okay, yeah, you 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 going in and out a little bit. 
Okay. Mm. I was just saying that Chris and Can I you, talk a lot on the podcast. See, what's happening? Can you hear me now? Uh-oh. Yes, I hear you fine. Okay, great. Okay, do you hear me? Yep, I hear you great. I don't hear okay. I don't hear All right. Yeah, Chris just isn't talking right now, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking okay. yet. Okay. Okay. Um, but we we talk a lot on the show <clears throat> about, you know, today, you know, like, you know, we both I think all three of us kind of started, you know, our 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 you know, writing and whatever um, TV and film career, because Chris and I wrote write both, and I'm sure you probably have a couple films in your mind too. Um, yep. That um, we we started at a time when it was different. You know, there were there were there were a couple of the programs back then. There were books. Yeah. You know, there was you know creative screenwriting magazines and all that shit, and screenwriting expo, and you know yeah. there were things like that. But it wasn't as I hate to say as easy. Mm-hmm. You know. As, yeah. as accessible, I'll use that word, uh-huh. you know, <clears throat> as it is today. Right. And so there's, there's the competition is so crazy. And it's not necessarily that everybody's so good. It's that there's so many. Oh, there's a lot. Right. There's right. Lot well, yeah, well, well, that's the thing that like, I, I, I think what you're saying is true is that the, the resources and uh, that you can access in these fellowships and there's more fellowships, you know, cause when I, when I first did the, uh, the TV thing, I think the NBC thing was just starting and it was really with the Warner brothers one and the, the, the one at, at uh, Disney, but then there's the Fox one. And it's, you know, it's just that I, I, I mean, but I think what Anthony said is, is more, uh, it's more relevant in terms of like you meet people, you write good work and people know your name and and you build a reputation that way because those programs, they only let in. So, you know, it's it's a small number of people and the dark side of the program that you hear is it's really hard to get the second job afterwards because, because once they have you for free, you know, do they want to pay for you for the next time? And they'd rather take someone else for free. And I just, there's too many writers that I know who, um, who who do it, do it for two years, get made to be staff writer for two years. Cause it's, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's issues with that. And, but that still doesn't mean that it's, that it's not a good way to get in. Um, and exactly yeah, I mean, I, th- right. I mean, and, and this circles back to what you're saying about like, about the structure in your life. And I think that's where a lot of writers, uh, who want to write television, they mess up because they don't create the, the discipline of how I got to write, you know, and it's sure. like, and like you said, I mean, there's, you know, there's the, those fellowships, there's the Nichols thing. If you're doing movies, there's the, the awesome thing. Uh, if you're doing like movies or TV that you need to kind of gear your, uh, you have to, you have to gear your time around because those are the things that are there that, that tell you for sure. If you get placed in these things, that's your ticket in. And, uh, you know, and there's no real wishing and hoping and blah, blah, blah. Like, like if you get in that Nichols thing, what, and, you, and if you're a semifinalist, you know, people are calling you. If you're a semifinalist right. at Austin, people are calling you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that people, people won't do that. They won't discipline themselves and they complain about the time and things like that. Uh-huh. But, it's, but I think you made an interesting point uh, a few minutes ago. Oh, 
Well, I, I just say, you know, I mean, like he, he made an interesting point about like the intention to be a writer and mm. it's something you really hey have to say, I'm going to do this. And I feel it's yeah. like what anybody says that they want to do and they really, really want to push hey, themselves to say, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. I remember I was listening to this thing the other day with um, uh, uh, Al Baldwin on his podcast when he was interviewing Barbara Streisand. And she was talking about how she was – how when she was in high school – she and she wanted to do the stuff at the actor studio. She would go and she would usher at some some of the theaters like there in Brooklyn, and so and so she could see the movies over and over again because she really wanted to be an actress. She actually didn't want to be a singer at first because she knew because she did did it all the time anyway. But she couldn't act, and it was like this. And I and I realized I was like, that's not the first time I've heard the story of the super successful person yeah. who said. I became the usher at the movie theater, so I could watch the movies and like just study it. I think like David Fincher, uh, David Fincher was like a like a projectionist or something like that. So he would he he'd be in there and like changing the reels and watching watching the films like that specifically. So he knew, you know, because he because he knew this is what he wanted to do. And I think that yeah. Like, like what Anthony said, but he has that voice about, okay, I'm trying to say this. I'm trying to put these stories out into the world. And, and, and I know how to articulate that the best way, like in my writing, like you have to have like those kind of things, you, you know, like going um, in your own mental headspace yes. to allow you to be successful. So when you have these setbacks about, you know, okay, so this year I didn't, you know, like I didn't get into the, you know, to these fellowships and things like that. I mean, the thing that people say all the time is, you know, like 98% of what you do mm-hmm. is, uh, is going to be a no. If you yes. know if, if if you're creating, and if there are these opportunities that are set up to to give you the yes, yes, then you need to be like doing everything you can to do that. You know, right. to shape to shape yourself because because otherwise, like the road is harder. You can get in, right? But the road is harder. Yes, absolutely. I mean, by no means am I suggesting that that is the only door. Um, I'm just saying we kind of lost Anthony. So rightly said. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm texting Chris, with him though. That so it is a door and it can. It can have benefits right now. Um, you know, uh, in terms of at least helping you structure your output so that. Well, the film. Anyway, go ahead. What? No. So, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, you know, again, but see, that's interesting thing about Anthony is that, you know, like I met him a, a while ago and then I ran into him one time over at, um, uh, Wendy Calhoun's uh, house yeah, one time. Yeah, she was having a party. We were there, and Anthony at the time, I th- I'm pretty sure he was getting a PhD <laughs> over at UA over at USC. Can't remember what it was then, but he was getting that PhD, and he was telling me he was yeah. like, "Look, you know, like there's no reason not to apply the fellowship. You know, like if you did it once or twice and didn't get in, you don't be discouraged because you know there's things that you can learn every year." Uh, about your writing if you look at it as a craft you don't look at it as like is being amused and that you're just trying to find this or it's a hobby or you you know like see when people say you know you should be writing every day right some people like you know some people push back against that mm-hmm. in terms of like well you just can't write every day and blah 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 <laughs> and it's like and, it, and it's kind of like but you have to do that I'm, i mean like people who are like all these other craftsmen 
in, a, in like whatever it is, whether you're a painter or a illustrator or you're a carpenter, whatever it is, they're doing their craft every day. You don't actually have to sit down at the keyboard and write something that way. You know, like if you're thinking about story point or a beat you're trying to figure out or, or like whatever it is, you right. know, like that's you writing. Because if you think about it, when you're writing, how much of it is you actually, you, you know, like holding the pencil or typing on the keyboard? You know, exactly. there's there's not a lot of that. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you, if you were to record yourself for an hour of, of writing time and then you went back and looked at it, you would probably, you know, like do the little time lapse thing. You would see that you might not spend so much time actually on the keyboard. You might just be like pondering and looking into space. And it's like, but, but you know, like that's you practicing your, that's you practicing your craft. Right. And that's mm-hmm. you. And that's, that's one of the things about the fellowships that they kind of like say, here's these deadlines for you to do this. Yeah. And, you know, get your craft together. To me, I think that the the, the 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 one problem that I would have a, a structural problem with the fellowships that I have is all their deadlines are like are it's like they're kind of clumped together. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like. I understand why they do that because you know because they're because they're trying to swing that because exactly. they, they initially exactly. it's because of the TV season you know the the broadcast season right but now that the broadcast season is now not what people follow that much right and there's and that's probably where the least number of jobs are um, I I think it'd be interesting if they if if they change those if if, if there was they were later if they, if they were later. You know, or just, or not just later, but they were spaced out. You know, like the, like the NBC one. Yes, there's NBC, but now they have Peacock, and there's other things that NBC right. owns. You know, like they right. own like the USA, and they own uh, Sci-Fi, and 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 uh, this, this Bravo, all kind of shit like that. There's all that cable stuff they use, and I'm sure that they probably have a. I don't know. There's more avenues to to take those alumni and put them on cable shows. Right. You know, just uh. Right. You know, then is to, to get them on a broadcast show, and I kind of feel mm-hmm. like if they had pushed their thing until the uh, I, I don't know two months later, yeah, you know, so that the deadline like wasn't like like I guess this year it's like it's May first to May tenth is what it is. If they push yeah. it to the August, you know, that might be better for people. There's obviously no one right way to do um, to enter into television. Um, in film, uh, you know, I just sort of believe in doing whatever, if there's something that's, you know, theoretically or in practicality, an open door, people should use it the best way that they know how, um, Chris was bringing up a lot of the structural issues with the fellowships in terms of getting a free writer and then people having a hard time getting that second job. Right. All of that has definitely been true in the past, and I suspect it is um, still true on some level, although we are do seem to be in a slightly different moment where you have people who are relatively new um, getting shots at creating yeah. shows and things like that. And that was just absolutely almost unheard of, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so there are all sorts of ways to to sort of slice and dice this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a guy who ended up having to be staff writer three times. 
you know. Oh, that's right. You're the one. I knew there was somebody I knew who did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, and before, and then once I finally started getting my bumps, I started getting bumped up, you know, um, mm-hmm. fairly well. But yeah, it took me ten years to get to. Um, it took me. Yeah, it took me ten years to get to, uh, like, you know, producer, supervising producer, wow. and I know a lot of people. Right, in most TV careers, frankly, are over by then. Back in the day, yeah. you know, uh, you know, people, you know, if their careers went ten years, you know, I call a TV writing career almost mm-hmm. like an NFL career. You know, that, you know, <laughs> is like you got to get in, hit it hard, and you know, because they might punch yeah. your clock and be like, on to the next. And it took me, and so, but I take great, but here's the thing. I take great pride in that. You know, I'm, I'm uh, 17 years in now and, uh, and I'm still a relatively, you know, I like to think young guy, um, youngish and, and Mm -hmm. I'm a showrunner now. And so it's, 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 you know, it's, it's worked out. But by the time I started getting to co-EP and supervisor producer stuff like that, you ain't been nineteen. You know, I ain't been nineteen. <laughs> look twelve. You know, and I knew I had a bigger grasp on what I was doing. Right. And now the and the the unfortunate part of what's going on right now is that unfortunately mm-hmm. there are people who will sit in a room for a year a year and a half, not even on a 22 episode show on an eight episode show. Right. And they get a show. And mm-hmm. if you were to really track a lot of those people, they end up flaming out. You know, they make an announcement when you get put on, they don't make an announcement when you get put off. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, Most let me, of the time. Let me, let me, let me talk to and, you right quick. And so, Yeah. It yeah, is it's like for for me, um, yeah, like you were saying earlier, you know, like everybody's gonna have a different way in, you know, like yeah. the way that you got in is not the way I get in. The way Chris broke in is not the way you know, et cetera, et cetera. And for yeah. me, you know, I went years and years and years in the indie world, making a great living, you know, doing rewrites and you know, doing all that stuff, <clears throat> and finally decided to get into and have done a bunch of like smaller. TV shows where I was co-EP, you know, on small shows for like, you know, um, Go 90 Network and stuff like that. Yeah. And when I finally decided it was time for me to move on to network stuff, I was like, I have to be willing to go from the bottom up again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I got in on the show that I got in. But, but what I also know is my experience having produced TV and film and documentaries and all this. I'm actually far more advanced than a lot of the other people in the room. You know, yeah, <clears throat> that's yeah. just my experience, at least in the room that I was in, at least. I don't know. Well, but well, you know, a lot of the people yeah. that I talked to, I'm like, some of the co-EPs, let me, let me finish my thought. I'll, I'll get to this in a second. I apologize. Um, and some of the co-EPs that I've come across at the Guild, even, I'll have a conversations with them and they've been on shows that they haven't even been to produce yet. They haven't been to post. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And yeah. I'm like, how do you get to that far? And you haven't yeah. even done that stuff yet. It just it still amazes yeah. me, you know. Yeah, that those things still exist. Uh-huh. Go ahead, finish your thought. It, no, I'm no, I'm I'm, based, I'm I'm just co-signing everything that you're saying. Um, 
because it's a real issue and it's one that people talk about more and right. more. I'm going to be super real with you about sure. staffing a show right now. Super real. Okay. Um, and I've talked to other showrunners, new and more veteran showrunners about this right now. You cannot assume anymore when you're staffing a show mm-hmm. that someone who's being submitted to you as a supervising producer, that they're what we traditionally think of as having the skill set of a supervising producer. Wow. You cannot yeah. make that assumption. Yeah. You are foolish as hell right now <laughs> to make the assumption that somebody's title now indicates their skill set. You cannot do it. You will get burned. You will get burned. You will get burned. You will get burned Mm. because people have been doing six episodes and they got apparently better agents than I got. Right. Okay. Because they get their bumps after six episodes. Right. And you will find somebody who is a producer who, when you add up their credits, they've done 18 episodes of television their entire life. And they are a freaking producer. Right. That wouldn't even get you from staff writer to story editor 10 years ago. Mm. Tell the truth. So you got a lot of people out there running around with a lot of inflated titles right now. Mm -hmm. And that's just what the market will bear. I don't blame them. Get what you can get while you can get it. Get it. Get it. (laughs) But like, trust me, get it. Like, I believe in creative people being paid. I really, really do. Like, I really do. Uh, and I'd like to put me at the first of the list of people who would like to be paid. And paid well. <laughs> Get that money, Anthony. <laughs> Get it. You know, I, I ain't got it yet, but, you know, right. I'm working on it. But, but, but there is something to be said for <laughs> – there is something to be said for not getting caught up in the race to titles game that I see a lot of younger writers getting caught up in. They want to move up and they want to move up as fast as they can. And on one hand, since it's a system that wasn't necessarily built for our success, I'm like, get what you can get. On the other hand, we don't have the same as I'm I'm talking to my black people now. Okay. I'm talking to my people. We don't have the same room for error that might be afforded some others. Good point. Mm-hmm. I And so I know somebody right now, and you know them too, who is like super, super hot as right. a writer. I mean, she getting all the jobs. Yep. And she deserves them. Mm-hmm. I've worked with her. She's for real. She's the mm-hmm. real deal. Now, this is somebody who's got all the opportunities. They're offering her deals. They're offering her movies. They're offering her, please go create a show. Mm -hmm. She has literally said to them, no, I don't want to be a co-EP right now. I'm three years into this. I'm four years into this. I don't want that. Yeah, I'll take your deal, but I'm not going to let you rush me to showrunner because that is an unforgiving position. And if you rush me to showrunner in three years and it doesn't work out, how long do I have to carry the weight of I washed out as a showrunner? Wow. That's a really good point. And so she had, and she's one of the rare people, she had the maturity to go, Mm -hmm. 
I'm good with supervising producer. I'm good with da 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 da. And let me take this shot when I'm in another couple of years when I really, you know, have been exposed to editing. I've been exposed to um, post. I've been exposed to um, page one rewrites of yeah. somebody else's script. I've been exposed to supervising another writer who wet the bed on the script, but I need to get it ready before it goes to the showrunner and not just be like, oh, the writer wet the bed on the script. So, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, that's what being a supervising, a co-EP producer right. means. It means that you can take somebody else's crappy work and make it better. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the gig. Can you do that? Or can you just get mad about the fact that it wasn't what it was supposed <laughs> to be? That doesn't, that does, that's, that's not as, getting Tell mad is not a skill set. That's them. not a skill set. Can you, fi- can you fix this? Yeah. Can you make it better? And the answer, by the way, might be no, but can you make a good run at it? You know what I mean? And so I'm just a real fan of, you're only new once, you know what I mean? And once that wears out, you're going to be judged on your skill sets and what you can bring to the table. And I would just, there, there, there's some people out there that I would, I would want to say like, Hey, like, like keep working on building all of your skill sets. I'm still working on building my skill sets. Mm-hmm. And if I can still be working on building my skill sets, then surely the staff writer can. Hold on one second. Hey, Chris, are you there? Yeah, I can't hear Anthony. Okay. I'm- I'm 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 just trying to get I'm trying to restart my my machine, but it's just getting so much problems. I'm trying to figure yeah. it out. I can, I can see your your I don't know what they call it, the voice thing moving, but I don't hear your voice. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, hear I you just, just fine, I think right? that I, I I mean like I hear Anthony, but it's so quiet that I can barely make him out. I'm just trying to just trying to reset, and I can't. My computer's just freezing up. I'm trying to reset, but. Yeah. Um, well, um, Anthony, one of the things you you were starting to go there, you said, and maybe maybe you already covered it. You wanted me to remind you about folks wanting to be showrunners. I guess that's kind of what we were talking about, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's yeah. definitely hear this part. Because- <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a conversation between a lot of writers now. Some of us who've recently gotten a shot to showrunners, you know, after ten plus years. There's this rush we're noticing to grab the title of showrunner, regardless right. of experience, regardless of of regardless of like like realistically, should you have that title? Like right. realistically, should you be rushing to that? And that's because I believe and others believe people's image of the showrunner now is Shonda Rhimes on the cover of a magazine. Right, exactly. It's, um, you know, Damon Lindelof on the cover of a magazine. Mm -hmm. It's J.J. Abrams, you know, who doesn't run shows anymore. He creates them, and he's a much, you know, larger, you know, he's a a studio unto himself, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, as is, you know, Ava DuVernay, you know. and so I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about um, 
you just see it right now. You know, you'll see um, some directors trying to run towards that title, Correct. you know, um, and it mostly doesn't work. <laughs> it mostly doesn't work. Um, and I believe what people are entire are running to is their perception of power. Mm-hmm. Not their perception of. Uh, I think Chris is jumping in. I think that's you, Chris. Hey, yeah, back. Yeah. You there, Chris? Um, yeah. Okay. okay, great. I believe what really people are running. So I, be, I, so um, I'll try and I'm getting some feedback, but um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I believe what people are running to is their perception of where the power is and that they are running towards what they believe to be another pathway to celebrity. Mm. actually what many of the people who are rushing and running to showrunner are not rushing to in in my estimation and estimation of some others I've spoken with is they're not running towards the work of Mm. the showrunner (laughs) they couldn't be because they have no idea what it is actually okay (laughs) so uh, there's a documentary that came out Called. You're really hot. Is, is that better? No, it's it's just like coming in very fuzzy. You might want to check your your settings and be sure you've turned off being able to hear yourself. Because if you have that on, that's when yeah, I was getting a lot of feedback. Let me just see. Is it, so is so it still fuzzy? Yeah. Uh, Better. Again, we apologize, Hello. guys, and uh, listeners out there. And Hello. again, uh, Anthony, thanks so much for your patience, dude. You know, this is, I'm is that better? Gonna get some game. And no, I can't hear anybody. Out, so, <laughs> yeah, well, do you sound like you're like in a muffled? No. <laughs> okay. I think your uh, computer got the vapors. <laughs> okay, you sounded better right there. Hillier, were you about to ask me something? Um, no, I love what you were what you were what you were saying about you know that it's 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 really about the power and about the uh, I like the setup that you did for you know Shonda and Lindelof and you know all all those all those people you know, on the covers of these magazines and people see that yeah. and want that. And they know? want that. And so therefore what you're what what you're seeing is people who now see show running as a pathway to celebrity. Right. And I'm sorry, but it's too much work <laughs> and stress and there's some beautiful there are a lot of beautiful things about it. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful things about showrunning do not show up on the cover shoot of the magazine. Mm. And you can tell that there are more people walking around going, 
like I have done, I teach sometimes mm-hmm. and I will get, um, sometimes ask people what their goals are. Right. And more and more I'm getting, I want to be a showrunner. And then I ask them, what is the show, what is a showrunner? And they can't tell me. <laughs> see, they done the way, see, 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 okay, so this is what I was supposed to say. There's a documentary that came out, oh, there's a documentary that came out a few years ago called Showrunners, right? And they, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it went through like, like a lot of what their process is. And I think that, again, it's something that is like, it hasn't been demystified but it's been deified, and it's the same way that I love that, Chris. Yeah, it's just speak on it, brother. Yeah, it's the we same. Said it. Yeah, it's the same way. It's the same way that the the film director was deified for such a long period of time. You know, like like right. until those behind the scene things started coming out, people didn't know what the job was. And I people saying, "Well, that's I wanted this on you because you know because I I want that kind of like that final control. I want to be the shot caller." But but the n- number one. The temperament necessary to be a a filmmaker or to be a showrunner is not the same temperament that you need to be a successful writer, because there's this a bit there's this thing you have to do which most which, which most writers aren't really good at, and that's called juggling various personalities. And that is so much of your job as the filmmaker or the showrunner because you got to deal with all these people who have their own ways to do things. And there's like the crafts people, there's the artists who like the, the, you know, who work with you as the writers. There's the actors who have their own thing, and and your job is to balance all of that as right. well as keep the vision of the project going and, and be the final like like arbiter of what that is to like for like going forward but you know i mean have you come in an interview for a job you know to be a director the studio is or whoever it is like they're saying hey what is your vision on this and you be able to right. artic- and, and you have to articulate that in such a way that they're like, "Cool, that's what we want." And and then it's your job, like over the next eighteen months, to make sure that you are constantly delivering that. And it's the same thing with the showrunner. I'm I'm sure that when you got the job to be the showrunner for Queen Sugar, I mean, I'm 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 assuming that you sat down with with Ava and she was like, "This is what the show is. Do you understand what the show is?" People were right. the people were like, right. "Oh, I over like you know what the show is. Can you deliver that constantly?" While you're constantly at battle, you're constantly putting out fires. You're constantly getting right. the flag put at you. You know, there's right. you know, is this, is this, is, and it, it's not an easy job for anybody. But no, no, it is. And, yeah, and, 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 and I think to str- I think to strive for it is a lot of what you're saying about this desire for celebrity because everyone thinks celebrity is going to give them the pathway to what they want in life but that's right. but that's not always true and I feel right. that it's like I, I feel like you don't know what you're taking on and if you fuck it up yeah. I, I mean you're done yeah. you know you're done. yeah it, and, 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 and we as people who have been marginalized in one way or another we have to be again get what you can get while you can get it but you also have to respect you, you have to respect the job you have to respect the process to being able to even you know 
theoretically take on the job and and have a sense of even why you want to do it and a pathway to celebrity i'm sorry that like for that for that doesn't work for me anyway and, and well as i mean it, it, yeah i mean yeah i mean like, i see people who just want the celebrity or just say i want to be a showrunner because i want to be running the show yeah hey can you turn your speaker down it sounds like it just sounds heavy like it's really blasting my speaker down. Let me see if this is that better. Uh, go ahead and talk. Yeah, but so is that better? Is, is, yeah, I think that's better. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, celebrity is such a it's such a crazy thing um, in this world what you live in now because people. Right. people that is that there's so many other people want celebrity because of the associated things with it but i think that celebrity yeah. for everybody is is a different thing and the thing about trying to be a celebrity in the arts is like like you were saying particularly if we're marginalized like you know they always talk about you know like filmmakers get to fall into director jail if you fuck up then you're going to have a hard time uh, get yeah. like get get another film, and yeah. I'm yeah. you know and 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 that becomes you know triply hard to pull yourself out of if you're a person of color if you're a woman yes. and I feel yes. and I feel the same thing if you're a showrunner if you're a woman or a person of color I understand why you want the power because of the you know because you're powerless and so much else of what's going on in the world but you come right. in and if you fuck this up I'm not sure if there's like a showrunner jail. Oh, they just—they probably don't want you to do it again because they well, and that's, that's the same, same thing. That's, that's the same thing. thing. And and I would say, for me, I don't even like using the word power associated with showrunner. Although, yes, you have the quote unquote power to hire. You have mm-hmm. you are the you know chief creative voice. Um, you are. You know, it's it's a right brain and a left brain job, and and that can be tricky for mm-hmm. a lot of people. You know, and you need amazing partners um, uh, who support you to do that, to do to do the job with any semblance of success whatsoever at all. I don't. I think of it as a job of service, actually, mm. that has a lot of authority built into it. And a lot of demands for leadership built into it. Right. But ultimately, you're trying to service each component of your show to such a degree that they can all work together and produce this one thing that hopefully everybody can be proud of. And that, yes, bears your creative stamp on it and leadership and authority on it. You know, but in many ways, the showrunner is the first person or the last person to be yelled at. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's not celebrity. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that, you know, that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful position and job. And, and yes, it is one that can feed your ego in ways that can be, you know, both either wonderful or destructive. But it's also the person behind the scenes that the studio is picking up the phone and going like, you know, hey, what's up? Or that the network is going, hey, what's up? 
or uh, that your creator, if that's someone else and is a large and powerful entity uh, like Ava DuVernay is going, hey, what's up? You know, da 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 da. And so it is incredibly uh, interesting to me that you have a lot of people running towards their idea of what a showrunner is, and they don't have any real information about it. Now, having said that, that sounds like I'm saying it's this horrible thing. It's not. I love doing what I do, particularly on this particular show. But I can also see that like, if you don't really want to be doing a particular show, I can also see where it's like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and, <laughs> you know, and so I just, I just say to people just like, I'm just stunned that when you ask people these days where they want to be, they're so quick to say showrunner, ain't hardly nobody saying writer. Mm. Which is what which is the pathway to being a showrunner generally speaking. <laughs> well, th- that's true, but but at the same t- but at the same t- but at the same time uh, you know, it's just there's such a high degree of ignorance of people who 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 have not been deep in the trenches. I mean, yeah. you know, is I mean, th- there's a huge responsibility to you know, it's, a, it's the thing I say to people all the time when they're writing their sto- these scripts and stuff like that that, that they're trying to get made and stuff like that. I'm kind of like, you're not writing this script so you can get your your page, not get your hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. That's not what you're trying to do. What you're trying to do is you is it you, is it you're trying to trigger a ninety to hundred million dollar spend. That's the gravity of what you say. Are- are trying Say to it. do and, and 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 so 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 the next iteration of that is if you're the showrunner someone and it could be you but it doesn't have to, have to be you okay. someone has triggered that 90 million dollar spend now as a showrunner you have to like you have to safeguard that 90 million dollars that is your job that right, is not right. what most people are suited to do. I mean, there, it's just it, <laughs> it's a, right. a huge amount of money. It's just a huge. I mean, it's based, you know, based it's, on it's based on based on a based on a fifty-five to sixty-page you know script. I let me let me let me. Mm-hmm. You, I was about to say pitch into what you were saying, Chris. We're not pitching, but let me let me piggyback <laughs> onto what you're saying. Um. I was at the Austin Film Festival, which is a wonderful, wonderful event that is really writer centric, mm-hmm. um, uh, and has become this. You know, like like it's so funny. You can see people, see friends that you haven't seen all year. If you go, you see them in Austin. You know, <laughs> you don't see them in L.A., which is funny. <laughs> I was on a panel a couple of years ago at the Austin Film Festival, and I think I sort of shocked the room, and I didn't mean to, um, but I did not give the answer that. Um, I think this this young lady uh, writer expected. Mm. So she raised her hand and she asked me, she said, how do I avoid, and she said it with much attitude, like I'm, I'm, mm. I'm going to perform kind of how she asked the question. How do I avoid when I sell my <laughs> show being put with some old showrunner, mm. you know, um, you know, you know, who I, you know, how do I avoid being paired up with da 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 blah, blah, blah. And I said, um, have you 
you know, I, I didn't want to presume that I knew who this person was. I was like, have you worked in television um, for a while? You know? No, but I have people interested in buying my show and I want to, and, you know, oh, it would be my first show and I just want to know how do I avoid, you know, I hear about these nightmare merit, forced marriages and da 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 da. I went, okay. <laughs> I said, um, I said, you're right. There are some um, bad partnerships that can happen, you know, when a studio or network is insisting that, uh, you know, two people who haven't worked together work together on putting a show forth. I said, but you need to understand something. I said, especially you as a person who actually doesn't have any experience in television. It's beautiful okay. that you've written something that has caught the attention of all these people. You must be very talented, uh, probably have a voice that feels, you know, kind of fresh to them in some way, something desirable about it. I said, but a television show, I basically echoed exactly what you just said, Chris. I said, a television show is basically a $75 million, if you're talking broadcasts, $50 million maybe if you're talking cable, basic cable, pop-up corporation. Right. And you're saying that you want someone to hand you $50 million to $75 to $90 million <laughs> with no oversight. Yeah, what is that? Because you had a good idea. <laughs> what is that? Boy, they, I was not popular in that room by the time I got through answering this question. <laughs> but, but, but see, see yeah. I was like, when I put it to you like that, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't mm -hmm. it? <laughs> well, see, 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 here's the thing, too, is that these people who are, are asking these questions who want this, I kind of know the age range of these people and what they've grown up and seen is they've seen these, you know, these, these found, you said startup pop-up. That's a great analogy because it's like, they see these founders of Silicon Valley get things and stuff like that. And they, you know, the thing is the media is only telling you the success story or mm -hmm. if there's some wild fucking like like tragedy thing they'll report that the average kind of thing that goes on you never hear about it the average fuck up and there's a lot of average fuck ups you don't hear a about lot. it you know a just lot. and people get replaced all the fucking time first second right. you I mean like that's something we see all the time someone else will bring it in second season and cover this because whatever it is and even and if you're not <laughs> tracking it which most people aren't paying that close attention i play i pay real good attention yeah yeah i, yeah. I can I can almost, and I'm, and I'm not special in this way, but I can almost read an announcement of a headline and how a show is being put together. And without me knowing that much about the, you know, the details of how that show is being put together, I can, I can sometimes go and pull resumes and look at, they put this person together, this person together, this person together. This is not going to work out. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you go, <laughs> Anthony or putting the jinx on him. I see you, or, Anthony. <laughs> or if it does work out, it's going to work out with a lot of pain and a mm. lot of tears. And there's going to be some changes, you know. Uh, come season, you know, two if they some make season. it that far. Yeah, if they get that far. Because I mean, you can look at it and go. 
this doesn't even kind of make sense. <laughs> if you resp- so, you know, so I say the same thing. I have a lot of playwright friends because I began as a playwright. I began as a theater friend. Uh, I mean, a theater person. And I am, I mean, you know, I am, that is still a huge part of me. But I tell, and this may not be a popular thing to say either, I'm going to say it. I tell a lot of my playwright friends or people who get sent to me who somehow they were a playwright and somehow either they got on the staff of a show, of some great show that's already up and running, or they are getting an opportunity to have their own show straight from playwriting without even having built up a staffing um, Mm -hmm. resume. And I will tell them, respect the medium. Respect this medium you're coming into because there are a lot of playwrights running around pretty openly saying, TV's just my money thing. I really mm-hmm. care about this, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to make some money. And da 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 da. And even if you think that way, uh, yeah, I can't tell you how to think. You have every right to think however you want to think. But if you walk into a television writing room, with the stink of I'm superior to you <laughs> mm-hmm. because I did an off, 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 <laughs> off, <laughs> off. It just did previews in Boston Broadway. is all it did. <laughs> or, or you were on Broadway. Or just, or yeah. you know, good old regular off Broadway at the Manhattan Theater Club, the Public Theater, all of these incredibly prestigious and rigorous places to work. No disrespect mm-hmm. to that. That was my goal at one point too. But if you walk into that writers' room with people who um, have, whether you respect the work that they've done or not, they've paid dues according to some kind of system. Right. Okay. And they have gotten in that room as well. And if you walk into that room with this uh, stink on you, where you're looking down your nose, they will smell it out within about five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And that room collectively has the power to, if not cut your career short, to seriously curtail curtail your trajectory. Right. (laughs) Because behind every one of those writers is standing about a hundred other people that they know. Yep. Okay. And people do not appreciate being made to feel that um, they haven't worked for what they have, whether they've actually worked for it or not. They don't like being made to feel (laughs) that. And so I will tell you, I have had, when I do vetting on writers that I've met, that I like and I love their work. And then I go and do a vet on them. I can't tell you the number of times, and I'm very attracted to playwrights, but I can't tell you the number of times that I've met a playwright that I wanted to hire um, or put forward in the process that I could not do it because Mm. the vet on them came back kind of funky and it was wrapped up in this, holier than thou attitude Mm. and it's just it just hurts me and 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 when it's a like a a black playwright or something like that i'm like oh no (laughs) like oh you know 
And so now I've got to decide, can I take a chance on that person that they've, because you have to allow people the, I, you have to allow people a learning curve too, right? Because right. I would hope that people would allow me a learning curve, you know, when I started and even now, because we all have to learn. Um, right. But like I said, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. You just don't want to be making fatal mistakes. And so you, so you do have to allow for that. But when, so, so you say, okay, well, let me go talk to somebody else, you know, because if you've been in the business more than five minutes, somebody hates you. Okay. And somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully loves you. Mm-hmm. But so then if you're me and you're trying to be fair, you go, okay, well, let me go vet somebody else because, you know, there's somebody that you can find that doesn't like me. And I think I've, you know, behaved myself well for the most part, but you know, show business people are crazy, you know, and can like or dislike you for any kind of reason. And then the second vet comes back and it's kind of iffy. And you're like, well, I, I really like that person. Let me, let me find a third person. Let me find somebody. <laughs> that's going to be like, this is the person. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that happens. And, and, and long story short, everybody's got somebody that'll say something negative about them, but you want in the wash to come out, hey, this is a person worth taking a shot on. And I'm just saying, one of the things that I've noticed kills a certain type of writer coming into the business mm-hmm. or seriously complicates their trajectory, not saying that they can't come out of it, is the writer who comes from another medium, whether it's playwriting, journalism, or whatever it is, who comes in and, and clearly doesn't really respect the medium of television mm-hmm. and thinks they're right. just going to make a money grab. And... <laughs> they get their nose, they get their face broken basically really quickly. And, um, so, you know, this is the screenwriter's rant. That's my rant. You know, that's a, another well, rant for so, you. And it's I mean, something that I think can be easily avoided. Is what I'm saying. Your rant now. No, okay. no, 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 but see, so here's what I think about that, Anthony, is that like, I feel, I mean, let's just say you like win an Emmy. Yeah. That's up there with winning a Tony. Exactly. You know, because yeah. they have, what's that thing they say, the, the EGOT, the, the Emmy, the Grammy, yeah. the Oscar, the Tony. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's, yeah. it's not the GOT. You yeah. know, the, the, the EGOT is, is there for a reason. So I think that playwrights who feel that way, they're, you know, like, they're, you know, or, or just anyone who feels that way about film and TV, they're not versed enough in the cream of the crop of the work and i'm not saying you know and look you know there's definitely these people who always trying to say that broadcast television is 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 there to sell cars and to sell soap and whatever it is and it's you know and and that's the roots of what television was you know i'm a theater hey look i'm a theater dude and I love theater, but they do have an intermission where they sell M&Ms. So, you know, yeah, we yeah. can take this argument in a couple of different and ways. You, is your play there just to sell M&Ms? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, look, I mean, the fact that the fact that, that, that they got to put all this money up to mount these Broadway plays means there has to be some commercial type of concern going on. It's, it's not solely about, yeah. We're all it's negotiating not, the balance between art and commerce or you know creativity and commerce i want to be clear um like i said i pull you know um playwrights or other writers who seem open to it 
to the side and I say, hey, watch that because it can hurt you. And, um, and, and most of them have actually been very thankful, you know, when mm-hmm. we've had that conversation. I'm just saying that I have seen it go wrong as well. And when you are part of a mar- historically marginalized community, like you may want to watch that. You may want to choose who you decide to emulate very carefully because this business goes on with or without us. You know what I mean? That's a great point. Totally, 100%. That's a great point. And, and, and by the way, and I don't say that as a person who doesn't value my own creativity. Um, I think I've only scratched the surface of what I can do with the proper in the proper situation and proper support. I, you know, you know, so I believe in other people's creativity and I believe uh, in my own and I believe in and I and I'm very thankful to have been blessed to have the career that I have and the career that I am hopeful and prayerful that I'm going to continue to have. Mm-hmm. But I'm also super clear that if I stop today, <laughs> it will go on. Right. It will, you know, and I think <laughs> some people yeah. and I think some people get that shit twisted after a yeah. while. Yeah, your ego is not in the way of that at all. <laughs> You know, it will continue. They will find the next new hot thing. Trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every like, year, so everybody chill. So everybody right. chill. And that's the thing that I I'm, I'm big on in in my writers' room too is that we should be having. I mean, we want. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Chris, you were saying. Yeah, we lost him, I think. No, 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 no. I'm absolutely. I mean, no, the thing I was going to say is, yeah, I mean, like, I feel that, you know, the the thing about when people are creating art, when they're, and they're, and like you said, they're balancing the commercial concerns of it. You know, it's like they've, you know, the commercial concerns drive, they, it drives everything, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, I mean, because, you know, some of the best stuff that you see, it has to be able to say that's going to work commercially as well. There's, there's the risk that it won't. And, 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 and those risks pay off, you know, and, and people have, and then there's always the different metrics of what is considered success at different places. You know, there's always, there's always that word that, that, uh, for, um, over at HBO, you know their metric of success was how many Emmy nods do we get? How many new subscribers do we get? You know, right. like right. I mean, and and that's a different metric than say I'm on NBC where it's like I need to get this many people like watching it like weekly. I, but right. it's, you know, so once I do that, because then I can turn up the, the amount of money that my ad space is worth from time to time. And, and, and I mean, again, it goes back to what do people really know about the business? Because it's not just about the cre- the creative part. You know, there's the, that's the, true, Chris. It, I, I do want to I do want to say though that I'm not advocating everything you're saying is absolutely true. I'm not advocating that you can't come into the medium 
and I consider myself to be very creative. I would hope that the people I work with are very creative. I'm not saying that everybody has to be an expert at the business of it. Some people are, some people aren't. All I'm saying is, is that we all work within mediums that balance um, where, where, where people have to show up by some metric, whatever that metric is, to whatever it is that you right. are creating. None of us have jobs without an audience. That's true in theater, that's true in film, that's true in television. I am just not a fan of people um, taking a stance that is harmful to them because it's not guaranteed. You know what I mean? That yeah, you sure. get multiple shots. It's not a guarantee. And so I um, have just, unfortunately, there have been people in the past I wanted to hire and I couldn't hire because mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, for example, I had a meeting with someone who clearly had not really done their homework on me. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> to the extent perhaps that they should. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't mean they needed to spend two hours on the 19th page of the Google search, you know, finding mm-hmm. some interview I did in, uh, you know, uh, Spain's in 1996. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about they kept in the meeting, they had come from theater and mm-hmm. they kept referencing certain theater companies that they had done work at. And the first time they said something and, and, and then they would pause and they would go to explain to me why that theater company was prominent or important. And <laughs> that's okay. No, and that's okay the first time. Yeah. But once I say, yes, I know Williamstown Theater Festival. I work there for mm-hmm. summer. That should be your <laughs> That I am well versed in the theater world. You should know that when you walk in because you should have done a little Google search and you should see, oh, Old Globe Theater, Crossroads Theater, Williamstown Theater, this dude, you know, mm-hmm. comes from a real theater background. I can maybe have a certain type of conversation with him that I might not have with, you know, every showrunner. Mm-hmm. And then if you didn't, but then I say, yes, I know that. Da, 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 da. The whole conversation that I ended up having with this writer, they would name a credit, stop to explain to me like a dummy <laughs> what the significance of the credit was. And I kept having to say to them, yes. I know ACT in San Francisco, my good <laughs> friend. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, literally like three times in, in, the, in, in the meeting. And so what it kept mm. saying to me was, you think I'm stupid or you think I don't get it. Mm. And I know that you've met with other people who maybe didn't get it, but I'm actually trying to relax you and so that we can have right. a real conversation about some things so we can see if we can work together because I'm saying to you that I speak your language, but you're not accepting it. 
And it wasn't enough for me not to hire this person. But when I did the vet on this person and the vet mm -hmm. came back negative, speaking to the thing I had picked up in the meeting. <laughs> yeah. I had to believe the vet because I had already picked up, yo, this, this person is not quite getting that there are other people out there like them. Right. <laughs> and the vet yeah, see, that, see. that the person yeah. was like, you know, condescending, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and da, 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 so, you know. Well, see, here's the thing about that, right? That's a person who is not listening to you. Yeah. That's the person who's just talking. He's talking at you because if you're listening, you know, and, and, and listening is not just hearing, you know, oh yeah, I heard, I heard you. No, no, no. You have to like, like digest what that's saying. The first time it's like, you know, if I, you talk to someone about like any kind of niche subject and the minute that they say, oh yeah, yeah. And they, you probably come back with something that, you know, that, you know, that puts up, okay here are my credentials too in this mm -hmm. there's no need to keep putting your credentials out and, and and if you keep doing that there's 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 a whole host of problems yeah. that yeah. you as a showrunner don't want to deal with on a daily basis they're insecure you know right. you'd be like you know what now you're in the room and you do that to everyone else not just to me but to people that you don't think you know are as good as you and you're probably giving me deference because I can hire you but those who can't hire you are you going to treat them like shit? Because exactly. And, and yeah. if I'm a person, a showrunner who cares about those things, which I am, I care mm -hmm. about how people treat each other in the room. Um, you know, there is a, um, there is a way to, in my humble estimation, there is a way to be a showrunner where you, don't care about anybody or anything ultimately except what's in front of you getting that next episode and show out mm. where writers are little more to you than widget makers um, and as soon as one does something that is even halfway annoying to you the clock has started whereby you right. plan to get rid of them. There is a way to be, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've been in good situations and bad situations. I've seen an approach to show running. That is that way that frankly, you can produce a show that way. You know, just because that person is horrible doesn't mean that they can't be successful in producing a show. However, that is not success to me. That is you produced your show. Mm -hmm. You're a really horrible person. <laughs> well, and I mean, if I yeah. have to be a horrible person in order to run a show, that, that's not success to me. What is success to me is producing a good, hopefully great show that takes into account that people 
particularly if they're giving you their all, are bringing their vulnerabilities, their heart spaces, some aspect of their dreams, they are giving that to you to serve your show or the show that you run um, or the vision or your vision or, or something else. They are lending you some piece of themselves and you're paying them for it, but they are still lending you some piece of themselves that is uh, important to them. Right. I think there is a way, and they talk about this in the showrunners writing, uh, the showrunners training program a little bit, and I did not expect that conversation to happen in the showrunners training program, and it was one of the things I actually appreciated about it the most. It spoke to me in a way that um, invalidated sort of a way that I like to think about putting together a room and running a show. Right. Which, especially on a show that, again, asks that runs off the sort of blood, sweat, and tears and heart spaces of, 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 of the people who create it. For sure. There is a way to... And so for me, the, 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 the metrics of success has to do with also being able to look yourself in the mirror um, at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, or at the end of the season. That does not mean that you don't have to make tough decisions. It does not mean you don't have to hire and fire. It does not mean that everybody has to love you. That's impossible. Um, But it does mean that you take seriously not only the product, but also the process of how you got to that product. That's what success is to me. And that's the type of showrunner I want to be and am trying to be. Well, Chris and I both have lots of well, not lots, but, you know, I'm pretty much the only writer in your room. <laughs> and um, they all have nothing but positive, amazing things to say about you. So thank you, man. I, I think that. that goes to say, you know, I mean, I mean, for me, look, I haven't worked with you, but I've respected not everything yet. I've learned from you. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but 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 I respected everything I learned from you. Um. Just like from what you write, how you behave, how you comport yourself as, you know, the, uh, you know, like like the journey you have, you know, I mean, you also I think what is great about you is that you're also very generous with your time, even in the midst of all the chaos that you deal with. And that's yeah, what I yeah. think is really like you said in terms of like, OK, so so what's the metrics of success for you? And again, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about like the, the like it can't just be celebrity that's too ephemeral you know no, and it'll it sure can't it's so yeah, yeah it, it just can't it just can't i mean you know ain't nothing wrong with having a See, good you're the you're the perfect the person, person anthony, anthony I mean, for like, that mad, but i'm sorry <clears throat> i was saying you're the you're the perfect example of Ooh. that you know people have illusions of grandeur of things and they finally get that mm-hmm. thing and they realize you know man i thought i wanted this you know, when I finally got my show and I got to ran it, that it was going to be, you know, me on the cover written by, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they get there <laughs> yeah. and they realize the work is actually more important than that. The you work know? is more important than that. And right. again, like I said, I ain't mad at nobody for doing, especially we as black people and black writers and producers, I ain't mad at nobody for, for maintaining their career right? and, and, and doing, you know, I guess what needs to be done to do that. But, you know, I think intention is important. 
mm-hmm. and um, it, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's a it's right. I just don't think the celebrity piece sustains um, in the long run, you know, because um, the work is it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. You know, once we get up in production in Queen Sugar, right. we have a, a, a fairly uh, uh, gut length of room before we actually start production, such that we are on the tail end of uh, writing by the time we start shooting. How many, how many scripts are you guys usually, or where do you usually like to be by the time you start production? How many scripts up? Um, do you be? We've done 13 episode and 16 episode seasons. Um, and mm-hmm. we generally, by the time in a 13 episode season, generally, by the time we start shooting, we've at least done the first draft of nine or 10 episodes. That's a, that's a lot of episode. What? It's a lot. It's a lot. Nine or 10. Right. Some, some. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's certainly, good. Certainly, that gives certainly you a no good boot. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. No that's good. Yeah, that puts you up for sure. But the show shoots in Louisiana, and sometimes I'm in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. uh, but most of the time, particularly once post starts, I'm going to be mostly in Los Angeles. So there are times, you know, like if if we have a room starting at 10, I can be rushing sometimes to get to the room at 10 and may not get there till Mm -hmm. 10 or 1030 because I've been up and down since 4 (laughs) a.m., On Louisiana time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So generally, once we're in production, by the time I get to the office at 10 or so, I've worked a half day already, (laughs) if not more. Wow. You know, and throw in, I have three kids and Mm -hmm. a working artist wife. And I'm a family, I'm a proud family dude. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so all of that, you know, and so... They don't put that on the cover of Written By. You know what I'm saying? You know? Yeah. <laughs> they you don't. Know? They certainly and, don't. And so that's what I'm saying. So you have to have a, a burning passion for, for the work because that's the only thing that's going to get you through, like an absolutely almost white hot, at least burning passion for it. Because otherwise you just won't care because yeah. you get exhausted, you know? For sure. Well, thank you, Anthony. We don't want to keep you too much longer. We know this has been, you know, we appreciate, we appreciate you taking over two hours hanging out with us today. That was awesome, man. Thank I know you, you guys are busy you, over there. Thank you all for having me. And uh, hopefully, sure. you know, the little technical stuff will uh, not prevent it from, uh, you know. Yeah, my, hopefully my editor can do what he can to make, at least make it sound better. We'll be, you know, it should be, it should be as clean as possible by when we drop it tomorrow for sure. Um, hey, Anthony, can people follow you on Twitter or Instagram or anything or where are you at? Absolutely. I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter I'm, uh, and Instagram. I'm uh, at Sparks Anthony. Sparks first and then Anthony. Sparks Anthony. S-P-A-R-K-S-A-N-T-H-O-N. <laughs> and I always love, you know, seeing, you know, the, the photos of you guys in the room. You know, I, I'm actually always envious of it because on, on the last show I was on, you know, the, the showrunners didn't didn't want us to do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, we could have really promoted a lot of cool stuff if yeah. they had to let us show some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm always just a little bit envious. You know, is blur out your board, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, 
But, but I'm a huge yeah, fan. Even, even you know, when you guys wrapping up, I'm a huge fan of demystification too. You know, so right, right. Like like even when you guys do the um, like when when the actors come into the room and you guys do the photos with the actors, you know, yeah. or yeah. all that stuff, I think is great. And I I actually I love. I know it's a different show. But I love what Prentice Penny and them do where they do like the behind the scenes, almost like yeah. these little commercial videos, which I yeah. think are really cool. You yeah, know, I think some of those two, those are really cool. Yeah, those right. are really cool. Anything, you yeah. know, when you demystify something, especially for people like us, when you demystify something, you know, I believe that mm -hmm. you are potentially launching, you know, a dream for somebody out there. For sure. Who, for sure. You know like us where are you from hillier originally where are you from <laughs> for sure well thank you anthony we appreciate it again uh chris where are you at uh i am at uh unauthorized cbd on twitter and instagram awesome um and i'm your host hilliard guest you guys can follow me um on twitter at hilliard guest you can follow the show screenwriters rr on twitter any questions screenwriters rant room at gmail.com Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, um, um, Google Plus, the Google Play, whatever the hell you listen to, Anchor, everything. We're out there. Um, everything. Everything. I'm sure I'm forgetting 900 other ones. Um, but we're on whatever, wherever you can find a podcast, we got you. Um, also, where can they get uh, information about us, Chris? You can get information about us on our website, screenwritersrr.com, where you can support the show through our Patreon page. You can support the show directly through there, through the, on the, the Anchor uh, page. And you can uh, there's and there's a bunch of other resources on there. You can uh, go to the shop and get T-shirts. You can get uh, some information about being a writer. Uh, and you can find information about the um, uh, – if you know, like if you're looking for a diverse representation, there's, there's a link to that, to diverse representation. And there's going to be something on, uh, this, um, what's it called? The, the, um, uh, get it made. There's, yeah. there's the get it made thing is, right. is going to be up there on uh, Tuesday by Tuesday on the website too. So, right. you know, um, and there'll be information ab ab about all this that we talked about today with Anthony in the show notes. For sure. For sure. That's what's up. Anthony, um, where can people find out and watch, Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar is on you the still there? Old, yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? I'm still okay. here. Yep. Yeah. Queen Sugar airs on the OWN network and also on the app. Uh, and if you need to catch up with us, we have all four seasons on Hulu. So you can nice. Hulu and just, and especially now that we're all at home, you can binge and cry to Change your that heart's shit, delight. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that's that. Yeah, so <laughs> thank you again, uh, Anthony. We appreciate you for always being, you know, somebody we look up to and always being somebody who's available. And you, um, you always got nothing but game to drop. So we appreciate that, buddy. Thank um, you, brother. So, yeah, man. So um, <clears throat> you guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Chris? 2020. 
start diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hillier He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room